Thanks for listening to the 242 Young Adults Podcast with Pastor Justin Corkum. Our prayer is that this message will be an encouragement to your life in Christ. We are in our series in the book of Acts, Empowered. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At the time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running. And they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk. That's all. Father, I just pray right now in Jesus' name that you would speak through your word. I pray that tonight you would just challenge us, that we would be able to pull something out of uh, this passage of Scripture that would completely transform the way that we live our lives, that we'd be changed forever, God. So God, we just give you this evening... We invite your presence. We know, God, that you're already here. Uh, What sweet worship just just this past half hour, just to worship you and lift up your name. God, we know that you desire to change the atmosphere, Lord God, in our lives, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. We just got out of chapter 1, and really we talked about in chapter 1, we saw Jesus kind of give a promise to, to the disciples and he ascended into heaven. And then we saw a time or a period when the disciples were waiting uh, on the promise of the Holy Spirit. And this is actually where we are right now is where this picks up. is As they were seeking the promise of the Holy Spirit during Pentecost, something happens. So I want to give a little bit of background in regards to Pentecost. Pentecost is basically the Greek name for the Jewish festival of weeks, right? And so the Jews would refer to it as the festival of weeks, but then this Greek and Greek influence kind of coined the phrase Pentecost. Well, why? Penta, uh, meaning five, right? 50 days from Passover is when the feast of, of weeks would take place. And so because of that, all right, so when Jesus was eating the Passover meal with the disciples, so what, what, when this occurs, it's happening 50 days exactly later from the time that Jesus had that Passover meal with his disciples. 
And to give you a little background about the actual feast, it was sort of like a celebration of when the people entered into the promised land, uh, basically where Israel is, you know, and they came from Egypt into the promised land. So it was celebrating that. It's also a celebration of the grain harvest for them. So think about it this way. You throw a huge, like, party for God because of how he's provided in your life. So if you imagine, that's sort of, you know, this feast was like, wow, God, thanks for all you've provided. Thank you for this past harvest, all of the food that we reaped. Like, it was a big thank you celebration to God. It was also a time to just renew their relationship, right? A covenant renewal time for the people where they would come before God and they'd say, you know, God, thanks for all that you've done. And Lord, I commit, almost like a committing of their life, a recommitting of their life. I I give you my future. I give you the next harvest. I, I place it in your hands. And so one of the things that they do is go through the book of Ruth because in the book of Ruth, you see God's favor and Ruth and Naomi's life in regards to the harvest. And then you also see how God incorporates Ruth into the body of Christ, into, into the believing uh, body, and into the community of God. In Deuteronomy, for the Feast of Weeks, it gives this description uh, of how every person is to worship God in the temple once it's assembled. So because of this, and this is a, a really important fact, because this feast needed to be celebrated in the temple, it brought Jewish people from all over the world together in Jerusalem. And so that's where I think what's cool to me to see in this passage of Scripture, you see a reversal of really the Tower of Babel. How many are familiar with the Tower of Babel or have heard of it? at some point in time. Just to give those that might not know a brief just description, in Genesis 11, you can kind of read into it, uh, verses 1 through 9. There was a time when man spoke one language. They were unified in their, in their language, and they actually came together unified, really under the spirit of, I would say the world, really was the spirit of, of themselves, selfishness, making their name great, being making a famous name for themselves. And they came together unified under one language to build a tower to reach heaven. And, uh, and God saw this people unify uh, under the spirit of the world and, and he came down and he caused different languages to occur in order to confuse them. And he scattered them, uh, or by nature really, they scattered into all of the nations. And so here, it's kind of cool because you see sort of a, a reversal taking place in in this passage of scripture where now instead of nations being scattered nations are gathering and they're they're together all in one place and instead of being unified under the spirit of the world there's a unity under the holy spirit and instead of languages bringing confusion which led to that scattering you see languages different languages bringing clarity to the gospel to the great things that, that God has done. And it really is, to me, I think a display to, to the world that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, is for everyone. And we'll continue to see that in the book of Acts as we continue. You know, eventually, even the Gentiles are grafted in 
to the love story of God. And that it's not just for the Jewish believer in Christ, but it's also for any person who would come to the Lord and seek after him and to repent and turn to, to the name of Jesus. And so really the, the main thing I want to focus on, this is just a little background, but the main thing I want to focus on tonight is how the Holy Spirit changes the atmosphere. And it really is in those first couple of verses. As I was reading through, there's some really cool like just things that, that stood out to me. And so if you, uh, if you read along on the day of Pentecost, the believers were gathered together in one place, and then suddenly there was the sound from heaven like a roaring of a mighty windstorm. I don't know if you know this, but the Greek word for spirit can be defined a movement of air. Of, of wind, even like wind itself. Like spirit can give the connotation of wind. And I thought it was so cool. It's not a coincidence that it was, it was the, a roaring like a mighty windstorm. And when you look at that word, it means wind. No, it just blew your mind. No, but it's kind of cool because it can also mean breath of life which I thought was like really cool, like breath of life. And I thought about how when you have the Spirit, like life is in the Spirit, right? I love this quote by J.R.W. Stott. He says this, A body without breath is a corpse, so the church without the Spirit is dead. Like isn't that powerful? Like the idea, and I would even say the believer without the Spirit, is that, I mean, you need the Spirit of God. And I think that we should be reflecting, you know, if, if you look at the, the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came into the room, people noticed. And I feel like God is ingrained within us, like He desires for us to reflect the nature of the Holy Spirit, that when you have life in you, that people who are walking in death should notice that life. It should be apparent that when you walk into the room that there is a life about you that a person who does not have the Holy Spirit can tell. There is something that they can identify with and see in you reflecting the nature of the Holy Spirit that you have the breath of life in you. You have the Holy Spirit walking in power, walking in strength. I'm not really athletic but if I were, I would use the example of an athlete who gets winded. So maybe I will use myself as an example, actually. So if I'm me, if I do something athletic, I get winded. And when I get winded, I get exhausted. And when I'm exhausted, I can't really play the sport well. I'm going to play basketball here in a couple weeks at the church for any of the guys, 18th uh, in the evening. And you will see me panting for breath. And probably not playing as well because of how winded I am. Now think about it this way. How many of us, if, we are, if we're winded, right? Uh, an athlete that's winded can't, can't run the race to the fullest potential. And sometimes we, we kind of like limp like along with our encounter with God, our relationship with God. We're, we're like we talked about uh, last week or the week before, I can't remember, but being plugged in to the power source in our connect group we talked about if a phone is charged and plugged in 
and remains connected, where does its battery stay? 100%. And as we stay plugged in to the presence of God, as we stay connected in relationship, like we talked about the word baptism in the Holy Spirit, when we continually experience the overwhelming encounter of the Spirit of God in our life, we stay charged up. That we can continue to run the race without getting winded because the breath of life is what's fueling us. When we're connected to the Holy Spirit, we can make a difference. So I just encourage you guys, continue to seek the Holy Spirit. Matthew 7, 7, man. If you, you can ask the Lord, seek. Scripture says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. This is something that, that God desires for you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. He wants that so badly for you. I was just talking, I was talking with my financial advisor today, and I was just kind of sharing with him just the gospel, really, a little bit, and, uh, and how I said, I said, Barry, God, do you realize what God's desire for you, God's desire for your life is literally what I told you guys, the best thing that you could have. He wants your best life for you. That's what God wants for you. And just getting that in our minds, that, that he desires the best for you. He wants you to walk in the fullness of the Spirit. And that's another cool, full, fullness. Look at that. There was a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house. That word filled in the Greek means to make full, to fill up, to fill to the full, to cause to abound, to furnish or supply liberally. I think... I don't know, this was the application point. I thought about it like visually almost. Like, you know, if you could imagine it being sort of like smoke. Smoke just kind of pouring into to a room and just kind of visibly filling it up. And then I got this idea of like, wow, a cup of water. That you could fill up a cup of water. And you realize that if something is filled with, with one thing, to the full, abounding, overflowing, that it cannot be full of any other thing, any other substance. I mean, we've all been there. We've all been at the point where we left something in the sink and it got a little dingy, got a little nasty, and you didn't want to touch it. And I don't know, for me, if I leave something in the sink, especially if my wife's away, um, then the dishes get done the day before she gets back. Um, (laughs) It's just a secret. It's a secret. But I'll run really hot water inside of whatever that nastiness is. And... After a while, that hot water, it'll just kind of, it'll keep sort of purifying and it pushes out all of that. You know, y'all have SpaghettiOs. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like some of you college students. No, I didn't have SpaghettiOs. I didn't go that far. But for some of you that know, as you pour in the water and as it continues, it pushes out, it, it, it kind of cleans out whatever else is in there. And, and I thought, man, if we're so full of the Holy Spirit, He's going to continue to just push out things in our life that don't belong there. He's going to continue to, to reveal more of himself in our lives than the things that, that you know, so many people, you know, I tell people when they focus on sin in their life, they make sin the object of their affection. Their focus is on sin. If you would just make your focus about Jesus and, and, the, and just loving Jesus, you would recognize it would take you out uh, of whatever was, was bothering or coming up against you because your focus would be on Jesus. And as you focus on the love of God, it, it builds up in you everything 
Really, God does it all on his own. As, as you focus on him, he, he just, his spirit pushes everything out. It just can't stay. This wind filled the house where they were sitting. Fun little uh, fact about house before we move on to the, just the, the flame and the fire. When we were in Israel, it's really interesting, uh, a professor of ours, you know, that word house can re- refer to, you know, some of these words are really complicated. The Greek word refers to a house, and, but it could also refer to, I always feel like there's like depth to, the, to the, these words, and that's why it's like kind of cool to study them. But it could also refer to the temple. And so he, he kind of held to the belief that when the Holy Spirit fell on, on Pentecost, it was in the temple. And when, when he fell like, and, and came in, in, in the temple, you know, that everybody was able to experience, it was a public thing that, that kind of happened. Uh, and his main support for it was actually the fact that 3,000 uh, were baptized. Because outside, if you, I should have got a picture of it, but uh, outside, when you're on the, uh, the southern yeah, the southern um, gate, all along out there, there were hundreds of, of mikvahs, which were basically ceremonial like cleansing pools where people would, before they would go into the temple, they would like dip themselves to purify themselves before they would go into the temple. And so there were, there are hundreds of them out there. And so he said, you know, how did 3,000 people get baptized? Well, they probably, you know, they got saved, they repented, and then all of a sudden you, you had plenty of places where, where people could get baptized. It was really cool. Anyway. Side note, I thought it was a fun fact. I would share it with you. Fire. You see wind fill the place where they were, and then this is what I love. Fire. Let's read this. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. I love that. Each of them. That in in Scripture, fire, you know, it could represent the presence of God. You know, we see that with Moses and, and the burning bush. Uh, It could represent judgment, uh, you know, when you think of Sodom and Gomorrah destroyed by fire. Uh, First Peter talks about how fire can be like a a, like a purifying, like God can can uh, can purify us like fire. But here we see the physical manifestation of his presence. Right. This was God saying to man, I'm here. And you see a fire fall from heaven. But but this is what's beautiful. You got to get this. The fire fell from heaven and individually rested on each person. And to me, I don't know, I find it significant because it was as if God was saying, I have, some, I have a love, I have a power, I have a grace just for you. Just for you. And for you. And for you. And for, it was like it was an individual manifestation of God's presence on the believer. And, and let's get personal with God. Like, let's remember that God desires a deep relationship with you. He loves you so much. Sometimes that is, that's the, the, the gospel. Jesus, the simplicity of the gospel. Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. I sing that song every night to my son, and you try not to let it become routine because of the power of it. Jesus loves you. That's power. And he displayed it that day individually. 
He loves you in a way that is so unique compared to the way he loves someone else. Like the, the relationship you have with him is unlike anybody else's relationship that they can have with him. It's amazing. One of the other things I found really interesting is when they heard the noise, they came running, right? The people that were there, they, they heard this sound from heaven. They probably heard the sound of, of the believers speaking in other languages and in tongues, and they came to see. You know, Jesus in his ministry, people came to see, right? Because why? Because he walked in authority. Because when they actually saw him, when they, when they went to see, what, well, let's check it out. I hear that there's a teaching with authority in town. Let's go check it out. And I can, I can tell you, I can promise you that there are so many people right now in this world that are looking for answers. They are looking for the truth. And they don't want some empty truth. They are looking for something with purpose, with power, with meaning. And we have that. We have the purpose of Christ. We have the power of God residing in us. And he desires for us to go out there. Mark 16, 20, when he sent the disciples out, signs and wonders confirm the word of God. And I truly believe that it is the power of God that confirms his word. That when you go to somebody and you say, hey, I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you so much. I just want to tell you that he loves you like crazy. And he, he's been chasing after you. He's the answer. You've been searching for hope. He's the answer. Can I pray with you? And when they see something happen in their lives, when they maybe see a miraculous sign from God, you know, you, I was watching a video. I don't know if I shared this last week, but uh, an atheist was prayed for, was healed. He was so, he was so like, like, just an angry person, like at first, and was very resistant. But as soon as his knee was healed, something just switched in him. And he was like super, like super open. When, the, when they see the power of God, it makes them think, well, wait a minute. Is this, is this for real? And I believe that there are people searching for an answer, and we have it. And as we walk full of the Spirit, people are going to come and see. As you walk full of the Holy Spirit, people are going to come and see. They're going to come check out what, what's going on. They want, they, they're going to want to know answers. I've been watching a lot of videos about this because I'm like, that's just where I am right now. I'm really trying to grow in this. Um, there's an individual who prayed for somebody in, in Times Square. Just a guy like on crutches and Asked him, you know, how he hurt his leg. And so he told him, and he's like, hey, man, Jesus loves you so much. Can I pray for you? So he prays for him. The, the kid gets healed, and he sort of makes a little bit of a scene because he's excited. He just, like, got healed. So he starts, like, jumping up. He's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe this. And, uh, and so another person kind of was like, hey, well, my wrist, my wrist uh, really hurts. Could you, pray f could you pray for it? So the guy prays for the wrist. He's praying for all of these people. People start getting healed, 
And, and like, it just kind of grew to this, you know, those shows, those people that put on shows in the middle of the street and they get a whole crowd that's looking like kind of makes this and they square it off and everybody, everybody was watching as one by one by one by one people started coming in and, and they were getting healed and getting prayed for all because he just kind of stepped out and talked to somebody and prayed with someone, she took enough time out of his day just to say, Hey, Jesus loves you. Can I pray for you? People are looking for answers, and they will come and see. They will come and see. And, and here's the thing. I want to kind of close with this. There's, there's always going to be two types of people. There, there are going to be those who stand amazed, and then there are going to be those who mock. And oftentimes, I, even, even yesterday, I was in that moment where, you know, I was at Guitar Center, and there was like the grand opening last night, and so I went there, uh, and we were waiting in line, and it was supposed to open at 6 o'clock. It's like God like, had a plan, or, or like you know, it, was, it was so on purpose after looking back on it. It was supposed to open at 6 o'clock, but it didn't really open until 6.45. So there was a group of us. Um, I went with one of the drummers here on the worship team. So we went there, and, and we were waiting in line, and uh, you know, this uh, group of ladies come. They came up, and we were talking with them for a little bit, and then one of her uh, brothers shows up, and, you know, super loud, like, New England to a T, like, super loud, like, in your face, like, really, I mean, I don't know if any of you know anybody like that. Um, there's a lot of them around here. But, um, so, we were staying in line, and so he starts talking about, you know, he, you know, has some issues with his back, and he just got out of the, the doctors. Um, he's going in for surgery. He's got some, you know, disc issues and stuff. And, uh, and I'll tell, I kid you not, I just put this together. Like, I was working on this message. And, you know, there's always two types of people. There's the, the ones that are amazed, and then there are the mockers. And you got you to gotta preach the gospel. Don't be afraid of the mockers. And so my very own words, <laughs> God will put you, if you preach, God will put you through your sermon before you preach it. I guarantee you that. And so I'm sitting there, he's talking about it, and the first time I didn't, I didn't move. I was just like, oh man, like I could see this like, hey, can I pray for you? And then he gets like super like in my face and stuff, and I don't know when the door's going to open, I'm going to be stuck here in line next to this guy. And... um Second time around when it sort of came back around again, because, you know, at the first time, I'm like, God, you basically opened that one up for me, and I, and I didn't jump in. I said, do it again, and I'll, I'm, I'm there. So it comes back around again. And so I said, hey, let me pray for you. And you know what he said? He said, oh, absolutely. That would be amazing. And I think about how many times we, we will write off who we will speak to because of how we think they're going to respond. Like we will make a judgment call on an individual and we will, we will write out the scenario of how it's going to go down. And you know what? He very well could have resisted, but he didn't. And I believe that there are more people that would be inclined to say, yes, please pray for me, than there would be to say no. And so I just want to encourage us, the Holy Spirit is what does, he, He's what does all the changing in our lives. And it's just about seeking more 
of him in our life and to allow him to really search us, to grow us, to fill us with boldness and strength because I believe that we're supposed to be heading out and doing great and awesome things for the Lord, all right? So when you get opportunities, remember this. There will always be those who are amazed and those who will mock, but but don't fail to speak to somebody because you assume they're going to respond a certain way. Nobody gets mad when you tell them that somebody loves them. We hope that you are encouraged and blessed by today's message. If you would like to know more about 242, you can email Pastor Justin at jcorkum at manchesterassembly.org. You can also tweet us at 242NH. Again, that's T-W-O-42-N-H. Or on Facebook, you can look us up under 242 Young Adults. We look forward to your feedback, and we'll see you next time.